We are live on YouTube here to answer your fantasy basketball questions. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I have a far better gift in my bio link. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That is LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Now that we are back and the NBA is here, there's no excuse for you not to be a double banger. Go and download the audio, listen to the uh, watch, listen to that, watch the video, hit the thumbs up, leave your comments, ring the bell. All that stuff goes a long way to... um to helping out the show. And it would be great if you could uh, great if you could do that. All right. We're here to talk. Um, we're here to talk fantasy basketball. We're here to answer your questions. And of course, to do that, I have got a very, very special guest with me. He is back. It is Adam Stock. Welcome back, Adam. Thanks for having me, Josh. It's good to have you here. And it's good to get into uh, answering some fantasy basketball questions. Casey, I'm just going to knock this one out quickly. This is his parlor going to day-to-day worrisome. No, he's got an illness. He's questionable with an illness. It's really important that when you see these tags pop up, you actually look to what they actually mean on your fantasy side. Because I'm going to guess you just saw a GTD pop up next to his name on Yahoo. He's sick. He's fine. There's nothing to worry about with that. But Victor brings up a question which is on everyone's mind at the moment. Not necessarily about Nick Claxton, Adam. But he says, is Claxton, what are the chances of a shutdown? And people tie themselves into the biggest knots trying to guess this stuff and worry about this stuff. And I don't know how you approach that. But actually, you know what? That's what this question is. How do you approach this fanciful idea of every player in the NBA getting shut down? How do you view the certain situations? What do you do about this situation that gets overblown like all the time? Yeah, if, the, if there's a team that has a history of doing it, like Portland, then then I kind of worry about it if they did it in March. But with the season being pushed back and most people bringing their uh, fantasy playoffs up, I'm not worrying about it too much, especially for a team like the Nets or a borderline uh, playing team. Even if they try to like start losing games, I'll still be really close to the play-in, and it's kind of awkward if you if you're like right there on the play-in, and then you start shutting every guys down. Down. I know Utah has kind of kind of did it last year, but they probably weren't going to make it anyways. So honestly, outside of obvious cases like Portland and maybe Washington, I I, I don't pay too much attention to it right now. Yeah, I, I don't think you again. As I've said all the time, all of my data and looking at this stuff is that players will start to get some fake injuries. They no, that's that's not true. I don't know if they're fake injuries. Some of them are, but a lot of them are injuries that they could potentially push through if they needed to. But this happens in the last two and a half weeks of the season, and it gets worse in the last two weeks, and it gets worse in the last week of the season. But for us now, we are five, six weeks away from the end of the season. There's nothing that's going to happen like that, and that's why that I push in particular to put your fantasy playoffs ending at a specific date so you, there might be like one player who gets affected by that and that's what's been the case every year and you're right Portland has done it but they don't do it in February they don't do it at the first week of March like it's always happened in the final two two and a half weeks of the season Utah will do it yeah, Washington may or may not I, I don't know whether they will they, they 
But yeah. like, well, it seems so bad that they might not have to. I guess the the problem, the big one, is going to be in Charlotte and what the hell goes on there with Lamelo Ball. But he is practicing, so like, I, I think Adam. Well, just to transition this question into Lamelo Ball, I, I think he does come back, but I don't think he lasts the season. For sure, I think he's probably going to like, hurt his ankle again. I mean, the. It seems to happen every couple months and like the next one or a minor setback, a tweak, that that could be it for sure. Or it could be at least two weeks and maybe comes back for three or four games here. With the lottery odds being flat, I mean, they don't really have to shut him down. But uh, there's definitely, there's definitely, LaMelo is definitely one of the riskier players. What was I going to find? That's a good question there. Oh, yeah. Okay. If Jaron Jackson is shut down, is Santi Aldama a top 100 category player? I see no way that that's the case. Like Aldama isn't good. He's had opportunities all season. And he's been bad the majority of that time. I, he'll have some moments where he's better than what he's been, but I, I have absolutely zero interest in what Santiago Dama is bringing at him. Yeah, I think he's gonna be one of those classic like points and threes guys. Gives you a handful of rebounds. Like they go off every now and then when mm. the three balls dropping. But for the most part, you look at the ranking and be like top one fifty. He just like doesn't do enough outside of the, the scoring categories really to be more than just a low end guy. He's probably gonna be a guy you're dropping during the fantasy playoffs. Like I, I see no way how you make the playoffs. If he if he's more than like a bottom two or three guy on your team, yeah, exactly. And he's he's almost got that um, the Max Struess going on where we go, oh, he must be a good shooter. No, he's not actually. Like maybe he is, mm-hmm. but he's not. Like look at his percentages. His free throw is trash. He's not like he's banging in Luke Kennard level forty five percent three point shooting numbers. Like he, he's not doing any of that. But because he's tall and white and he's a stretch four, we are. Oh, he must be a good shooter. He's just not like that until I see it. Like he isn't. Here's a question for you, off the cuff. Do you know who's got the best three-point percentage in the league at the moment? <laughs> I probably would have, could have told you this before the break, but I'm a little rusty right now, so no, not off the top of my head. I don't either, but I'm going to have a look. I, I thought yes, okay, I thought it was him. It's Grayson Allen. He's shooting 48% from three. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. then, and then I, it's... I, I, go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I've been looking at that number, expecting it to come down all That's year, a- but it, it just hasn't. There's a few guys like that. I think just these days... Like we used to be like, oh yeah, he's shooting 47, that'll come down. But these days, a lot of guys are just ridiculous shooters. So if they're having a season where maybe they're shooting, like they're, they're hot, they're kind of, the seasons where they're shooting 3% above like what they usually shoot, like that used to meet, mean like 40 and now it can mean like 45. There are 11 players shooting 44% or above, which is like, uh, you, you don't you see one player normally. There's 11. It's Allen, it's Luke Kennard, which again, that's expected. No, no surprise right. there, yeah. Kawhi Leonard's at 45, Norman Powell's at 45, Jalen Williams is at 45, Aaron Neesmith, 45, Malik Beasley, 44, Kevin Durant, 44, Conley, 44, Sam Merrill, 44, and Drew Holiday, 44. Like, they are... And then you got the... Yeah, there's... Over All four, on pretty decent volume, too, for, for the most part. Yeah, like, those guys are not, like, coming in and it's not shooting one three a game. Well, I think the lowest volume guy there is probably Jalen Williams. I think he only takes, like, three a game. But everyone else, or maybe maybe Mike Conley, but everyone else is at a pretty high number. But that's enough of three-point percentage. What do you think of Gordon Haywood gaining relevance in Oklahoma City? What do you think his role is? I guess some people like, is he going to play 20 minutes a night? Will he supplant Josh Giddy or Lou Dorton be a 30-minute-a-night player? They haven't really given us any indication of, of what to expect here. Yeah, for now, I'm assuming maybe mid, mid-20s. I don't really see a path to 30 as long as ever everybody's healthy. Like, that, that would have required like Dort's not playing a ton but that would require a pretty big hit for Dort Giddy seems kind of stuck 23 24 like it doesn't seem like he's there's room for a huge hit there I think it just comes from the other guys and I don't think think like there's enough minutes from the other guys to get him get him to 30 so for now like 
I mean, I'd add him in 14, but for 12, I'm not too, too interested. They also probably want to keep him pretty healthy for the, the playoffs. This is a guy who likes to miss months at a time, so really pushing him 30 minutes down the stretch when you don't need to do that doesn't really make sense. I think he can get to 20, 26 or 27. I could see it getting more, though, because it's not like Giddy. Like they don't, they're not committed to giving big minutes to Giddy. Like he could play 21, and he's getting like, at the moment, I've got Giddy at like 24, but if he, he could get 21, and Dork can go yes. from 28 to 25, and there's um, like seven minutes already, and I've already had Haywood at 22, and that pushes him to 29. Like it's actually not. And then you've got Aaron Wiggins, Isaiah Joe. Um, you've got Hall Pass legend Lindy Waters, the third. You can get minutes from those guys. <laughs> um, the Ken Rich Williams. There's, there's a bunch of different stuff they can do in that rotation. So I, I don't think you'll get there initially. And I, I don't think that we need to be rostering Gordon Hayward at this point, but I can see a situation um, where we do get into that at some point coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by Stitch Fix. You know that instant confidence boost that you get when you get an outfit that makes you look really good? Well, that's what you can get with Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a stylist who understands your style, size, and budget, and they do all the shopping for you. It's the easiest way to update your wardrobe this season. You go in there, you give them your size, like this is my measurements, tops, bottoms, all that sort of stuff what sort of style you're looking for, your budget, then the order boxes when you want and how you want and no subscription is required on Stitch Fix. They send you back five just for you pieces. Plus, they give you outfit recommendations and pro styling advice as well. You keep what you like, we keep what works and then you send back the rest. Style that makes you feel as good as you look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash locked on. That is stitchfix.com slash locked on. Stitchfix.com slash locked on. All right, let's go back into some uh, let's go back into some questions here, Adam. What if, what if, what's on people's minds as we get ready to start this? Um, all right, what do you think about Chris Paul? Like this buffering says, is Chris Paul going to play against Charlotte? I don't know. He's going to be back soon. But what do you think, just as a general rule, about Chris Paul? And do you think he's someone that's worth having? Do you think? You know, obviously, there's going to be caveats. Hey, if you can add, easily add him and put him in your IR, then of course you're holding there. But as a general rule, do you think Chris Paul is going to be someone that remains like a must roster player uh, rest of season? Probably not, because he just doesn't contribute in that many categories at, at this point. So I think when the fantasy playoffs come around, he's going to be more of a matchup play. Like if assists and steals aren't pure toss-ups in your matchup, then you then you got to drop them. That's kind of how I'm looking at a lot of these low-end guys. I'm not getting too attached just because I know if they're going to be bottom two or three guys on my roster, I'm dropping them in two, three weeks anyways. Yeah, and look, the way that the Warriors, they're playing better at the moment. Pajemsi's got a larger role. Look, Paul was fine, but he obviously played much better as a starter versus coming off the bench. And, and I'm not sure that they're going to yeah, rush to put him back in as a starter. Maybe they do, you know, foreseeable future legend, Steve Kerr changes his lineup every two days after saying he's going to stick with it long-term. So you'd never know, but in 20, if he plays 25 off the bench, there's no way that I'm interested in Chris Paul at that number. He would need to get 29 or he just turns into what you said, uh, an assist and steal sort of streamer. Dan Bari says a question that I cannot believe this is a real question. Why are people adding Baisley? Are they? And if they are, I have, Literally no idea. Do people think that... Because people just have no confidence, Adam, I think, in Paul Reed. They go, well, Darius Baisley, he's going to come in and he's going to start at center. No, he's on a 10-day contract. He got cut from the nets. He's been bad for years. There's just... No, like, what are we doing? There's no way that people are actually adding him. Are they like, what are we doing? Yeah, 10-day guys going to good teams and becoming fantasy relevant isn't really a thing. Like, that's <laughs> cool if you're going to be uh, like a Memphis point guard. But on um, the Sixers, no. Like, Bezos can stick around the G League after he got cut, like, for a reason. He's a borderline NBA player. Yeah, he had buzz 
a couple of years ago, but a lot of first round picks have, and they haven't worked out. He's, he's, he's just a guy. Yeah, he's bad. Like he can't shoot. He has some, uh, some potential like locker room issues that, uh, that I've heard of and he's just not going to play. Like he's a 10, he might get a couple of minutes, but it's just not enough, man. Like, yeah, I don't, if people are actually adding him, then I, uh, I would be looking to see who they drop. And then maybe scooping that guy because it feels like their fantasy basketball decision-making may not be at the highest level. All right, this brings us into a question. IJ Craft says, what are your thoughts on Bruno Fernando? Obviously, this is with the news that Anyeka Okongwu is out for the foreseeable future, which we know might be a day. It might be 20 minutes. It might be four weeks. We have no idea what that means. But obviously, Capella returns. Uh, Fernando is the backup. I don't really care in a 12-team format. Like Bruno can be that guy that on a Sunday, hey, could I find two blocks and 70% field goals somewhere? Like maybe he's that guy. But unless Capella and Okongwu are both out, then I don't really care to add Bruno. I don't think we're going to be doing a uh, minute split between Clint and Bruno the same way they were doing it between Okongwu and Capella. I, I don't see that being anything we need to be interested in. Yeah, I think the big thing out of the Okongwu news is that Capella's going to play 30 now. So that's exciting for Capella. Maybe maybe not right off the bat, they might limit him for a couple of games. But the big follow to that is, is Capella is going to yeah. go off for the next at least probably a couple of weeks, maybe more. Yeah, we just see Capella's minutes ramp up. You can stream Bruno in and that's it. Gus says GG was a 10-day guy. He was not a 10-day guy. He was a two-way contract guy. They are very different things. So no, he was not a 10-day guy. Yeah, and, and also my point was it, it's uh, those low-end guys on good teams, like they don't get roles on teams like Memphis. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Um, just to just to just tie off the Okongwu stuff, Matthew Walsh says, we have one week until fantasy playoffs in our ESPN league and I'm locked in. Is Okongwu worth a hold? I would say, you can give me your opinion on this, Adam. I would say that if you're locked in, like this does not hurt you at all to hold on because again, foreseeable future, I don't know how far Quinn can see. Maybe he can only see to the weekend. Maybe he sees today. I've got no idea. Just wait till you get more information and then if you're locked in, and you're not nothing is going wrong, like then just wait. Like you've got all of next week where you can actually just play around with lineups and then maybe you get more information. So you got you're talking like another ten days, eleven days until your playoff start. Yeah, I'd hundred percent be holding. Yeah, yeah, why not? Like maybe if there's something super obvious on the wire, but there probably isn't at this point. Yeah, like, like his upside is high enough where if there's no cost, just hold him and wait for more info. Yep. Um, David says, oh, that's the wrong, wrong button. David says, do you remain under the impression that Joel Embiid is out for the fantasy season? Now, I'll just preface this, Adam, before I get your opinion on it, is that fantasy yeah. season is going to be uh, different for everyone depending on how your playoffs run. But my short answer is is yes. Yes. How do you view that? Yeah, I think if you're in Roto and you go to the, the buzzer, you might get a handful of ramp-up games that you probably won't play. 34 but i mean like mb can be amazing in 20 so in, in those settings like yeah you're holding but in head-to-head i mean what did they say like six to eight like do the math on that that that, that gets pretty late yeah. so yeah in, in head-to-head I, I don't know maybe if by some miracle you get one game or something in the finals you, you can't hold for like the small chance of that I would say that it's very unlikely he plays at all in March, and maybe it's April for those final whatever fourteen days or whatever it is of the season that you yeah. get some limited minutes there, and you know two to three games a week for that period to ramp up for the playoffs. I'd say that's more likely. Giuliano, this one's a pretty easy one. How long is Precious a hold? I just think until either Randall or Ananobi returns. Like people are under this impression. Adam, and maybe you are as well. I don't know that Tom Thibodeau loves Precious Achua, and when these guys are going to come back, Hartenstein's going to get benched, and Achua's going to start. And I just say no. Like 
I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I don't think he loves Achua. I think Achua's playing these minutes because there's nobody else. But we also saw that when those guys were healthy, Precious played 12 minutes a night and wasn't out there. And when Ananobi and Randall come back, I don't think the Precious is starting over Hartenstein or even minute splitting with him. So I don't really think that as soon as one of Randall or Ananobi comes back, I don't think we have any need to hold on to Achua. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Phipps and still like him and not play him a ton. They just have so many guys now that like Bogdanovich coming in kind of moves like got guys around as well. So yeah, I agree completely. He's just a short-term guy. Yeah, he's uh, that guy until those guys come back. Now, someone asked a question earlier that I should have put up and they said, what do you make of the news where it said Julius Randle hasn't ruled out surgery? Um, I always thought that was the case. The, the you think stuff with his injury was, right? They were going to let it sit for three weeks or so and see if rest and rehab got it back. But then if, and this is the standard procedure with shoulder dislocations, if that doesn't work, then you under you have to undergo surgery. So that's always been the case. The fact that he says that that out loud makes me go that maybe rehab's not going particularly well. It was always pretty weird to suggest that he'd be back in three weeks. Like that just didn't make any sense. And the Knicks injury reporting and the misinformation that they provide through the GM through official releases and then Thibodeau saying, what are you talking about? He's broke his leg. He's going to be out there tomorrow. Like none of it makes any sense. So I always thought this was going to be a bit longer than the initial dates. But the fact is we just have to wait and see after that initial three-week period. But him saying it out loud makes me think that it's probably not going as smoothly as he would hope. Yeah, if you have super early playoffs, like if they're starting next week and stuff, I think it's time. Then it's like all hands on deck, kind of do what you have to do situation. Uh, But with normal playoffs, I think you can wait a little more before trying – or happen to make that decision. Yep, exactly. MB says, is Wemby getting shut down? That's the most important question in fantasy basketball right now. Well, it might be the most important question, MB, but literally nobody knows. So there's no point guessing. There's no point trying to figure out. Wemby Nyama doesn't want to get shut down. If he does again, maybe it's the last 10 days of the season. And there's, I don't think you should waste any of your time trying to trying to guess that because you might as well flip a coin and make your call off that. There's just no way of having any definitive answer of any of that stuff. Do you like? Would you be actively trying to move off Wembenyama because of this? No, I, I mean, there's a chance he turns his ankle in the middle of March, and, and, and that's it. But you, you can't predict that. And honestly, the Spurs don't really have any reason to to shut him down. It's not really going to change what happens on on Lottery Day. Um, yeah, like you said, Wemby probably doesn't want it. Uh, he's going to win Rookie of the Year, but if you shut him down in mid March, maybe that puts that at risk, and he's not going to be happy about that either. So I. I like, like, yeah, I would feel better about it if he was on a playoff team. But at the same time, I'm not making any moves based off of him being on the Spurs. You bring up an interesting point about playoff team. We're going to get to that in just a second. But today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with me to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So when you're scouring the waiver wire, trying to find that player who can help to be guaranteed to fit on your roster. At the moment, one of the guys I'm really looking at is Scoot Henderson. Again, there's a lot of negativity around Scoot that gets put out in the media, but if you have a look, he's fixed a lot of the things that were a problem. His two-point percentage is still garbage, but he hits basically every free throw. He gets the line a ton. His three-point shooting is up, and now he is the starting point guard rest of the season moving forward. And I think that he just needs to be on rosters. I know there's going to be problems with field goal percentage, but... We talk about this all the time is that rookie point guards get better as the season goes on. And he and Keontae George are both following that pattern pretty much down to a T. So if Scoot Henderson is available on your wire, I just look, maybe it doesn't work out, but I don't think you should be sitting there going, I'll just wait three weeks to see if Scoot becomes that guy. I think now's the time to do it. And then you make an assessment later on if it's still too much or too much of an issue for your team. But he's the guy that I'd be looking to grab if he sits there on your waiver wire. 
Does that help you win your fantasy championship? Well, you never know. Like, honestly, they might sit down a bunch of guys and he's running out 33 usage, averaging 20 and 7 um, down the stretch, which is great for your team. eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, and that is the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever it is your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. All right, so I tease this question. DRello28 says, is it better to draft players from winning teams versus a losing team? There is no chance a winning team will sit out their top players, but a losing team will. I'll just tell you one thing right now, DRello, you are wrong because winning teams will sit out their players. I 100% guarantee you this. There are going to be teams, Boston Celtics, that in the final two weeks of the season are going to be completely locked into their seed and they will sit guys every second game. This is what will happen. If there are teams that are in a spot that their seeding is 100% locked in and they can't really do much and there's someone with a slight injury that might get outgraded, they will sit these guys down. The teams that go the absolute hardest right to the end of the teams fighting for the playoff spots, fighting to get out of the plane and into the top six, are uh, all trying to jostle for seeds. And you can't sit here and tell me that at draft time that you go, well, you know what? I'm just not drafting a Grizzlies player because they're going to be bad. Yeah, you could have said that about the Spurs. You could have said that about the Wizards, but also... At the end of the season, we don't know that those teams are going to sit players out at this point. There's just no way of knowing any of this stuff. So I just think that a lot of this this idea of like, well, I just draft from good teams and bad teams, you don't know who those teams are going to be with 100% confidence. You also don't know how each of these teams are going to approach each of these situations, like people avoiding Thunder players last season because oh, they're definitely going to tank. Yeah, and then Shea's the second best player in fantasy all season. I just think that that is adding an extra level of variable into your draft idea that is bad. Like I just, I just don't think that it's. Uh, and, and the premise of winning teams not sitting players out is is not true either. Yeah, I, I use it more as a tiebreaker than something that necessarily like drives my decision making process. Outside of like very obvious guys like Jeremy Grant this year, I just didn't want to roll the dice on again. But if he had higher upside, then like maybe I would. You know, like I wasn't totally against Aiden because I was hoping for a breakout. We didn't obviously get that. Although he's been okay for fantasy, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm not thinking of about that like yeah the boston guys are probably gonna screw guys especially going to april yep. and um people probably weren't thinking that going in they thought oh yeah milwaukee will put up a good fight and now they're not putting up a good fight and now all of a sudden like they might have less to play for than like most teams like. yeah and no one would have gone into the season going well you know what the, the teams that are going to be the top two teams are going to be the thunder and the wolves right no one would have thought that yeah. at all so it's really hard it just it gives extra stuff that your brain doesn't need to be considering to that level at draft time, but Matthew Yonkers, I'm going to say it's a soft J, Matthew Yonkers says, do you see Paul Reed finishing with a better category player than Jonas Valanciunas going forward? So from this day on, do you think that Paul Reed will be a better ranked fantasy player than Jonas Valanciunas? And while that seems stupid on the surface, Adam, I think that it is almost a guarantee. Like it seems, it really depends on how long Embiid is out, but Valanciunas is playing like 19 minutes a night the last couple of games. I think that this feels pretty comfortably in Reed's favor. Yeah, I think he's got it unless Larry Nance goes down. J- J- JV's That's great true. on a per-minute per minute basis, but I mean, like the Pelicans have so much depth and they like to go Nance and, and Zion and, and mix things up. JV's minutes ceiling just isn't very high. And I know Reed is going to have some really ugly games because he's not that good of a real-life player, but he doesn't need to play that much or even be that good. He just has He's just one of those permanent fantasy studs 
if you give him 26, like at the end of the day, you look at his numbers after three weeks, they'll be pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot to do here. Like if Embiid comes back way early, then Reed loses value. If Nance or Zion goes down, then Valanciunas goes up. But the, with the way things currently sit, I, I don't really think there's an argument with it. Like that just seems pretty, uh, pretty clear. Um, all right, how, well, here's a question. We're not there yet, but David says, how long are you relieved for the season to be done in April? And then when are you ready for it to be back? So I guess the question is here. So yeah, we do all this work through fantasy and write and record and all this sort of stuff. And then the end of the season comes and you go, oh, good, we're done. How long does it take you to be like, oh, I wish uh, fantasy was back? I wish fantasy I would say probably around free agency. Mm. I, w- I watched the draft and I find myself I can I'm making notes and everything and I kind of enjoy it. But I would say free agency is when I start getting the buzz a little bit. Like I want to talk about it uh, more, more so than just with my buddies who are just a little more casual with it. Like I want to really get into the weeds a little bit. I would say that's when I start to get excited. That's not when I really start. I start my projections probably late mid late July and and go from there. But I would say I start to get pumped uh, around free agency. Yeah, I think that's about right. Like I start to ramp up my work before the draft starting to do all the draft prospect profiles and things like that but once once I or I always set my time like once I get back from a trip to summer league that's when I really start to like you know uh, r- ramp up what I'm doing and get excited for it there but having that time off is good also just let you assess what you did last season and how you're going to do it differently and just let things sink in and also just have a bit of time off is, is good as well um back to the Knicks should you be concerned about Hartenstein rest of season with all these recent Achilles injuries? I am not particularly concerned. I think this rest is good for him. Um, he had these Achilles injuries or sorenesses last season. I think it's going to be something that might persist for a while, but I'm not like, oh, man, I need to get rid of Hartenstein or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. And he's a tough guy to trade too because he doesn't have a ton of name value. A lot of guys don't really understand how good he's been both on the court and for fantasy. So you probably can't get equal value anyways. So I would just ride it out and kind of hope for the best. I, I agree. I've heard a couple of people say that DiVincenzo is dropping his production. What do you guys think about that? Giuliano, just, I don't know who's telling you these things, but just be really cautious about where you're getting the information. Yes, Dante eventually will lose production when Ananobi and Randall return, but they're not. So why would he? Like, he's still going to be playing a ton of minutes as the starting shooting guard on this team. His backup is going to be a nobody. Like it'll be Alec Burks. Like, it's nothing. Like, don't worry about like this. I don't know where you're getting this idea that these things are happening. Like, some people, are, I think, it's important to have a long view, Adam, in fantasy and understand where things go. Like, we can talk pressure to children and go, at some point, yeah, he'll become a drop. But I don't, I don't need to plan for when that happens. Like, I don't need to be like, well, what if it happens in two weeks? When it does, it does. Like, I don't think you need to focus on that sort of stuff. Same as DiVincenzo. If his production does drop, then it drops. Like, But it's not going to happen now. There's no reason to suggest that anything like that will happen now. I think, again, a lot of people just try and put too many different variables into it that are just out of your control. For sure. I mean, it's February 22nd, too. we got to start thinking short-term, you know? Like, uh, I'm not yes, worried yes. about a month. I want these good four or five games now, you know? And not just if my playoffs are starting. Like, I want, like if I'm fighting for a bye, if I'm fighting for the playoffs, like, don't get too caught up in in maybes mm. in the fantasy playoffs, you know? Like, like at this point in the season, like, we want the sure things. And, and Dante's a sure thing for probably at least a couple more weeks. Yep, exactly. And then, again, when you're talking about a guy that you've just grabbed off the waiver wire, if he turns into a drop, oh, well, who cares? It's like some people giving it like, oh, man, I'm not sure if I'm going to add Trey Mann because the Hornets have got two games in the playoffs in one week. 
you're talking about yeah. a guy you got for free. Like, don't worry about it. If it gets to that stage and you're in your finals week and he's got two games, you know what you do? You drop him. Like, that's just simple as that. Like, just get the production in now. My problem with those two game weeks in the playoffs was I'm not spending my first round pick on that guy when there's someone of equivalent value there who might play three or four in that week. That's my issue. It's not about like what I do with my 10th pick or streaming guys in off the waiver wire. Like that's that's a very different scenario to me. Um, all right, so this could talk to Miami. Renan Fayado says, Jaime Jaquez or DeLon Wright? I need steals and assists. DeLon Wright, obviously, I didn't mention him on the waiver wire show yesterday and I should have. He has uh, signed in Miami. They have no ball handlers at all. Uh, Wright's a really interesting one. He's looked pretty bad, I think, most of this season, uh, bought out by the Wizards, but the Heat don't have a point guard and Rogier is injured. Now Hero's popped up as injured. I think that for the short term, I would pro- I would probably go right, maybe? I don't know. Huckers' role is limited behind Butler. He hasn't been shooting well for the last six weeks to a month or two months or whatever. Um, and I think Wright could find himself in a pretty interesting role, even if it's for like four games. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Rosier's probably got at least two or three, and possibly more too. I mean, even if uh, Hackett's plays big minutes, he's going to give you like three to four assists and one steal. DeLon can do that in his sleep. Like, you could give mm-hmm. DeLon 18 and, and he can do that. If he starts getting like 24, as we've seen in the past, he's, he's pretty nasty. So I would definitely go DeLon. I mean, they only have one game left this week, so I probably won't go with either guy if I needed something this week. But starting next week, if we don't get a positive Rosier update, yeah, I'd go DeLon. Uh, N23 says, what are Onyeka Okongwu's starting chances? Are they gone with the injury and Clink being back? I-, I would think yes. I thought if he had stayed healthy that they would have just ran with him as the starting center rest of the season. I would say, Adam, that that chance is done now. Yep, I, I-, I agree with that. I, th- I think there's an outside chance, but Clint's going to play 30 for the next two, three weeks, and they'll probably just roll with that to the end of the year. Uh, look, there might be something where Capella, who, like Hartenstein, has had this persistent Achilles soreness for for years now. He's got this groin issue, so maybe it happens, but I don't think it's as simple as a Kongwu comes back from the toe injury, and he just slides straight in and starts over Capella, and we go to that. I, I think that chance is basically basically done um, at, at this point, which is unfortunate because we just want to see that run of a Kongwu being that starter and we just can't get it, unfortunately. Dennis, the last question. I'm glad you put a D'Anthony Melton question in here because he was on my thumbnail. Amen Thompson or D'Anthony Melton rest of the season? Now, you've given us no um, context whatsoever about league type, league size, but I will I will throw this to you, Adam, with a 12-team category league situation. Do you want a Men Thompson or D'Anthony Melton rest of season or option C, none? Uh, I want Melton for sure. I, I, as assuming we get a somewhat positive uh, uh, update next time around, I, th- I think Nurse said they're just going to see how he responds. Uh, Nurse is kind of iffy with injuries too, so we'll we'll see where that goes. But uh, if Melton's healthy, I, I want him. I like Amen, but uh, with Fred coming back, he's going to be more of a streamer. I know Jalen Green's struggling. There's a possibility Amen starts eating into his minutes. But I mean, I mean, with Melton, we know if he's even in the High 20s, he's pretty solid. He can be a, a top 100 guy when he's playing well. And that was with uh, Embiid in the lineup. Now without Embiid there, there's some extra shots. Threes might be a little better. He's not a big scorer, but uh, I mean, I, I like Melton. If I had to choose between those two, I would choose Melton because I, I, I agree. I think there is a little bit more in terms of minutes, but I, I honestly, I don't think either of them is a 12-team must-roster player. A men in a 22-minute-a-night role is not there, and I think Melton with this 
back stress reaction issue, like that's bad. The fact that they've said that Buddy and Batum are going to be starting is also not great for his long-term value. And that might mean he's a 24-minute-a-night guy coming off the bench, at least for the short term. And he's not even back yet. So, yeah, I think at this point, I don't want. I don't think either of them are must-roster, but I would take Melton um, uh, over, over. I mean, quick last question. Will Drummond start the rest of the season? Roto Wire has him starting at center today. No, I don't, I don't think he's going to start today. They're against the Celtics. I'm not really sure that having Vooch and Drummond uh, out there with Vooch having to push out into Jason Tatum is going to be an optimal use of a starting lineup. I don't think that Drummond will start rest of season. I think he's maybe will start four more games. Well, I looked at the schedule or their schedule. I think they had three more games against uh, teams with two bigs, and I don't think that he will start those other games. Yeah, then we got to see what the rotation looks like when P. Will is back too. Like, Drum's definitely a guy I want for now, but yeah, it, it's going to be a game-to-game thing. I don't think Pat Williams is coming back, to be honest. The updates don't sound particularly promising on that foot. I, I don't think that he's going to be coming back uh, at all this year, and that will leave them into a situation where they're going to have to be you know, playing Drum in some minutes, but they also just will go Caruso, DeSumo, DeRozan, and White alongside Vooch for the majority of that time is my guess. All right, that brings us to the end. Adam, tell people what you've got going on over at elite fantasy basketball yeah so it's as i said earlier it's february 22nd so it's time to start talking strategy and just uh play strategy and just starting to put together some of that stuff i'll have it up soon uh yeah at, at this point in the, at this point in the season that's where the main focus is yeah we're doing projections yeah we're doing pickups and stuff but uh it's gonna be a lot more specific going forward just trying to just uh highlight and find guys who might be useful in different situations versus just guys who are generally valuable Yep, exactly. Like we get to this stage when the fantasy playoffs start, and it's not not about like oh rest of season value. Like what's happening today? What's happening in the next three days? You know, if today's got thirteen games on, then we ignore it. And what happens the days after that? Like we need to be very hyper focused in those head to head leagues. And Adam's going to have all that stuff covered for you. Go check him out on Twitter. Go check out the website. Adam, thanks again for coming on. I'll uh, I'll see you later. Then I'll wrap up this show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to chatting during the fantasy playoffs. Absolutely. Guys, that will bring us to the end of this show. Don't forget that you need to, and I know you already have, so I do thank you guys for hitting the thumbs up and double banging and uh, leaving your comments and notification bells and all of that stuff. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. See ya.